Otherwise on SAFM. Welcome to Otherwise on SAFM, South Africa's news and information leader. My name is Shadow Twala. My producers are Hazel Makuzeni, Jorile Khodi, and our technical producer is President Machaya. You may reach us on 0891-104-207 or via SMS on 34701. Today is World Food Day, and my guest is the Director of Food for Life South Africa, Professor Reshma Sukraj, and Later on, we speak to Mercia Andrews, who is with the Trust for Community Outreach and Education. Then we also look at youth trends for 2013 with Mugabe Tulo from HDI Youth Marketers. After this. Otherwise, on SAFM. I'm now joined on the phone by Professor Reshma Sukraj of Food for Life. Welcome to Otherwise, Professor. Thank you very much, Shadow. Thank you for having me on. Thank you for your time. Now, are you able to give us some background on the work of your organization, Food for Life? Okay. Food for Life South Africa, Shadow, it was a concept that was inspired by one of the world's foremost Vedic scholars and teachers, um, His Divine Grace, A.C. Paktivedanta Swami Prabhupada. Um, in 1974, he exhorted his yoga students to liberally uh, distribute sanctified food throughout the world. Uh, this was when he came up upon children scrambling for food uh, when he looked out of his window in India. So for the last 39 years, Food for Life South Africa um, has been operating in South Africa. And we are affili- affiliated to the Food for Life South Africa, is affiliated to Food for Life Global. Mm-hmm. Uh, and this organization is unarguably the world's largest vegan food relief uh, network. Uh, and this is a figure. We, we serve 35 meals per second around the world because we've got um, a network that serves million plates a day. 35? What was that number, 35? Meals per second, uh, Shadow. Per second, is this around the world, you said? That's right, that's right. And in South Africa? In South Africa, we are busy with 5,000 plates daily, and largely the recipients are community-based clinics, uh, largely schools where there's a dire need, and, you know, a hungry child can never learn. A hungry child is an angry child. So Mm -hmm. orphanages and schools are our targets, and we prepare 5,000 plates a day of warmly cooked vegan meals for distribution in and around, in and around South Africa itself. We'll come back to that and, and, and who you work with. But today is World, sure. World Food Day. And, yes. and the focus is, is sustainable food systems for security and nutrition. How should we as South Africans observe this day? Um, I, I think the World Food Day's message um, out there today is exhorting us all to end hunger by getting involved. And I think it's, it's very important that we all have um, a social responsibility to, to actually um, end this hunger. Um, I've just been reading a report um, that was carried out, and it's in 2012, that more than 12 million people will go to bed hungry tonight. Wow. And the hungriest people in Cape Town and Portland Natal, and the Food Bank um, South Africa spokesman Kerry Ace, and this was you know in the media, and he says that South Africa is in dire straits, and this is besides him. It's not just the rural areas, because every day millions of people go to get hungry. Now I think the first thing is the awareness, um, Shadow. I think if we have the awareness that you know 12 million people going to get hungry with half a slice of white bread, mm-hmm. and this is basically what we are looking at, the implication is that it's a death sentence. Yes. 
And um, so, so our first role is to become aware of, of the kind of figures, and, and, and we, we kind of assume and take for granted that, uh, you know, a plate of food will be served um, to us. But I think that awareness of the hunger figures is, is a critical component. Um, and I, I'm, I'm touching on the word Ubuntu in itself, you know, and, and, and ancient Vedic philosophy will say it's a duty of every householder, and this is what we should be doing, actually, to cry out loudly. If anyone is hungry out there, please come. We have food. Please come and eat with us mm-hmm. as neighbors. Mm-hmm. And, and the whole notion of Ubuntu in the community um, is, is kind of feared in, in, a, in, a, in, in, in a kind of liberal sort of giving way. Um, then the head of the household will then sit down to a meal. That's the only time he will sit down. Mm-hmm. So we've become so self-absorbed, Shadow, that... We, we are unable to get out there and ask people, are you hungry out there? Can I serve you? And this is one of the second ways in which we can get involved in the world's food uh, is to, to actually get involved. You know, I, I, I think these discussions that mostly academics will have these numbers of, you know, how many yes. people are hungry around the world, uh, but these discussions almost end up at that level. How do we sure. bring South Africans to react to those 12 million people you just mentioned that go hungry every night? How do we participate? How do we react? Yes, the Ubuntu, but, you know, because we, we've just become shell-shocked. You know, um, sure. we, we, we don't respond to statistics very well. So how yes. do we turn it around to assist programs like what you do at Food for Life? Right. I, I think we must understand, Shadow, you know, that there is a striking upsurge of organized uh, private voluntary activity uh, in just about every corner of the globe and in South Africa as well. Um, so there is this kind of revolution against hunger and several organizations. And, and I think that the important thing is for, for people to uh, become an advocate uh, to end hunger, you know, and in, in, this is the way you can do it, you know, by visiting our websites, Food for Life South Africa, for example, by financial contributions. You don't have to have financial contributions. We've got food materials, you know, which, which we require, for example, and you could donate foods, etc., food material, and assist in the distribution as well. Um, I, I think not all of us can sort of belong to organized structures, mm. but... I think there are several in South Africa that have a similar aim. It's to create hunger-free uh, society, hunger-free zones for a hunger-free society. And, and it's, it's about, as you said, we've become so self-absorbed and so shell-shocked into figures and, and, and self-absorption that we, we, we're not really looking out. So you can make a difference individually. You've got to ask yourself, how can I make this difference? And there are several organizations. All you have to do is type in food, you know, food or hunger figures, and, and organizations come up on the hit. So, um, yes, you must understand also that organizations such as ours, like Food for Life, is a Section A organization. It is non-profit making. Mm-hmm. It's self-governing, uh, campaigning organization. And we, we campaign for the well-being of others. And, and it's one of those that is semi-autonomous and, um, you know, can, in fact, make the difference. So if you just have to get into your um, website and put Life of Africa, org, you're in, and the page numbers are there. You've got Facebook as well. So there are lots of social networks, uh, information that's available mm-hmm. uh, to tell us more about 
how we can make the difference. Professor, the point is awareness. I, I, and I commend the work that you do, but I, how, how sustainable is, is organizations like yours, yourselves? We're giving food. We're we, we helping the hungry. But how can we produce enough? For, for, for everyone, and how can we teach the people to, the people that we're giving food all the time, you know, they say teach a man to fish, or you, what, what's the saying, sure. you know, um, we, we must get people to, to, to help themselves, how do we do that? Yeah, I think in, in part of our plan is to get the youth involved, you know, with, with um, agricultural areas and zones and, and getting little food gardens going. Yeah. Uh, of course, it's quite a struggle. If you're a, a non-profit-making, self-governing organization, it's, it's actually very difficult to raise huge amounts of money to even begin that, to, to, to start up such projects. And we have several that is on, on the back burner at the moment. So, uh, yes, I, I, I think the, the whole sustainability issue is, is, is a critique against any uh, you know, non-profit organizations. Mm-hmm. And uh, I, I think one has to start building into your mission and vision aspects like youth development, agricultural awareness, uh, getting food gardens going. Uh, and that's what is, is part of our plan, and this is what we do. Um, and, understanding and their pain, that your pain is my pain, but, okay, you've got to get something uh, going for yourself, yes. You know, I, I, and I know the people that, that, that bear the brunt of, of, of food security or non, non-security are, are women out there, especially women in the rural areas. So this is intertwined, really. You know, we, we, we have hungry people, 12 million of them, and I, that number is staggering. Yes. And um, yes. most of them are in the rural areas, and most of them are women who who don't even own land. I mean, can you see how it knits together? You know, yesterday we were talking about the sector me trying to get men yes. to to participate in in in, uh, in contraception uh, and family yes. planning for for exactly the same reason. So all of this land rights and all of that is intertwined. So. I think we we need to have a, a bigger um, discussion with with individuals from all these areas to to look for solutions. I, I think what is also very important is coming together, a cobbling of all of these organisations, these relief organisations. You know, we are there at the, at the you know at, at first go when there's a fire in some of the informal settlements in KZN, for example. You're the first on site to provide this kind of food and, and other types of relief. But we need organisations to come together uh, in in our efforts to make our efforts more valuable. Uh, but with regard to rural women and, and children, although they are the targets. But I think they're most prolific workers, they're most resilient, they are the ones that enable food on the table in, in ways that are amazing. Um, I think that you need to know that as much as the hunger is there, but they are able to use very small parts of land to generate some degree of um, sustenance for the family at well, the end of the day. Well, women do that all, all, all the time, you all know, the time, all the time, all over the world, completely. all over yes, the world. Yes. Well, um, Professor, I, I, I really am, am happy that you, your, your company, your organization, rather, Food for Life, is, is doing something to, to, to kind of deal with these 20 million, 12 million people that are hungry. How can we, as individuals, assist you in doing what you do so you get larger numbers? Because I think you said you feed, how many people you feed a day? About 5,000 kids 5, a day. 
So h- right. how can we assist you to get to 10,000 or even 20,000 all across South Africa? Well, the cost of just putting together a plate of food is between, you know, five and fifty, for example. So the financial co- contributions that the corporates, whose social responsiveness, you know, should be the big thing for the corporates out there, um, to to bring in the financial contributions, because there is clearly a financial cost that is incurred in every plate of freshly cooked food. Secondly, food materials can be donated, so you don't have to be, uh, um, you know, a rocket scientist earning huge amounts of money. But food contributions, materials of good quality, obviously, because we have our quality checks on it, can be contributed as well. Uh, the important thing as well is assisting with distribution. And by assisting with distribution, create a kind of network um, for, you know, creating further hunger-free zones. I think assisting in the distribution. So the important thing is to get our website, foodforlifeforafrica.org, or just you know, uh, punch in Food for Life South Africa and you would get all the information around exactly who to reach. Mm-hmm. Um, we have a Facebook page, especially for the youth who can get involved in the preparation. You have volunteers who prepare, clean, prepare, uh, and, and, you know, cook the food and who handle the distribution as well. Mm-hmm. So therein lies another way in which people can assist and enable this particular program to create hunger-free zones in our society. Professor Reshma Sukraj, thank you so much for joining us, and thank you for your time once more. Thank you very much, Shadow, for having me on your program. Thank you. The Internet is changing lives in Africa. How has the Internet impacted your life? Share your story by the end of October, and you could receive $25,000 in funding. I've been able to create an online shop where I sell my products. More people know me now and are willing to connect with me. Visit www.africaconnected.com for more details. Africa Connected. Success stories powered by the web. An initiative by Google. The South African Trade, Investment and Tourism Promotion Guide, in partnership with SAFM, will be hosting monthly radio broadcasts to promote trade and investment opportunities to local business and foreign investors. We invite business from all sectors to join us at the launch of the Eastern Cape Province Symposium on the 28th of October 2013 in East London. To participate, contact Boyce Sajaneni at 082-923-4402 or email at boyceh at bbmmedia.co.za. Also visit www.southafricanguide.co.za. Otherwise, on SAFM. It's World Food Day, and my next guest is uh, Mercia Andrews, who's with the Trust for Community Outreach and Education, here to talk to us about food security. And, of course, yesterday was uh, International Rural Women's Day, and this was the launch of the South African chapter of the Rural Women's Assembly. Hello, Mercia Andrews, and welcome. Hi, thank you for having me. I'm so, you can hear our singing in the background because <laughs> today's World Food Day and so we've been sharing seeds and um, singing about land and feeding ourselves and all kinds of things like that. So it's good 
to to be on the show. Thank you. Oh, Mersha, that's that's wonderful. Um, tell me about where you are f- giving seeds and why. What what's the program? Okay. Tell me about. We you. are we are as part of the um, um, International R- Rural Women's Day and World Food Day. Mm-hmm. We decided that we would launch this uh, South African chapter of the Rural Women's Assembly. It's a regional movement of small farms, food producers, cross-border traders, rural women in all their survival strategies, in all their strategies to feed their families, feed their households, and think through the issues of household food security. So we launching in Sierra. Sierra is a small a rural town, uh, um, two hours from the city of Cape Town. It's an agricultural town. And it's one of those towns uh, where the farm worker um, strikes and so on also took place last year. So we also have many farm worker women here because for us um, the question of um, farm workers and the food insecurity of farm workers are also 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 very, very key. So um, this is why we're here. We, um, women have come, traveled from all parts of the country in caravans. They're here on a, in a, this remote area. And we're talking about what are the obstacles to um, putting food on the table? What's the obstacles to overcoming uh, poverty, household hunger? And there's sometimes the dependence on, on government, etc., to, to, to survive in the rural areas. So I, that's why we hear... Yes. I know your program started on the 13th. Um, yes, yes. What have your discussions uh, produced so far? And I know it ends on the 16th, but what, what are the issues? What are you grappling with at the moment during your... We, your are, we, are, we are saying that we have the capacity to feed ourselves. We have the capacity, we have the experience. Women have been for a long time in this country as in elsewhere in Africa. They, they fed the families. And if they have access to land, if they have access to um, sports, and they can continue to, to play a meaningful role in the agricultural and in producing food and in putting food on the table. They also say they are the custodians of seeds and particularly indigenous seeds and not enough is done. In fact, nothing is done in the country to protect indigenous seeds, indigenous women's knowledge of agriculture and so on. Rather, we see um, there's quite a lot of frustration about the fact that we are having to, um, government has, uh, and agriculture has brought GMOs, genetically modified mm. um, seeds, particularly for staples, maize. Most of the maize in the country is GMO maize, and people are unhappy with this because they believe it is linked to um, the unhealthy situation that we see uh, of growing obesity, all those mm. kinds of problems. So they want to put a focus on, on indigenous seeds and to have laws that protect um, rural women's right to share seeds as they've always done, to collect seeds and to be, continue to be the custodians of seeds and the biodiversity of, of our 
um, country. So these are some of the issues. Mosha, what are you going to do with your findings? Are you going to present them anywhere? Are you going to present them to government? Yesterday, because it was on International Rural Women's Day, we we, we took buses and we went to the city of Cape Town. We had a march where we handed in our petition. In the petition, we, we, we spoke about the need to, to speed up uh, land redistribution in this country. We said we supported the campaign of the Gender Commission that says every woman should have a hectare of land and more so that we can begin to grow people's ability to feed themselves, etc. Mm-hmm. So we ended in this petition. Uh, we also spoke, there's a lot of frustration about Local local government, local government's ability to um, support this drive for greater food security and food sovereignty. So these were some of the things. Here we are also making and selling beads. We've got a marketplace sharing seeds, crafts, and cooking indigenous foods and feeding ourselves with foods and things that people have bought. We have stump meals and jams that they're making. So it's really... Moshe, stand still, please, because I'm losing some of your conversation. I think because you're moving around. It sounds absolutely amazing. Um, when you said it was a regional organisation at the moment, the, it's a regional assembly. Do you see it go um, across the country that every region should have its own or, or group yeah, together with in, you? In fact, yeah, regional. I mean, Southern Africa. I see. So this it's gathering not... year is over. 280 South African women that have come as far as Limpopo, KwaZulu, Natal, etc. How did you uh, just a lot? How, yeah, how, how, how did you find these women that you talk to? We've been, we've been working together because some of there's some NGOs and some farmer associations, some rural women's groups that have gathered over the years, and we've kind of built up the process towards the launch. Mm-hmm. And this is why it's been easier to come together to bring people together. Okay. All right. We wish you all the best, and we hope to talk to you again uh, to find out, you know, how you're g- getting along and how we it can... It would be great, yes. How we yes. can assist your cause, you know, how we can give you, give you power, you know, through numbers and, and those kinds of things. If people are interested in talking to you or... Participating in in the women's assembly, how do they find you? We have a Facebook page. It's called the Rural Women's Assembly. So that's one way that they can get hold of us. My organisation TCOE also has a website, and you, people can go to the website. And of course, we have uh, offices in different parts of the country. But some of the organisations that are here. So many participating organizations, women on farms, um, Trauso from the Eastern Cape, uh, Masif Funde, a whole host of the organizations. It's all on our website. I see also that la- I see also you have uh, Land Access Movement of South Africa that is part of your, exactly, your exactly. organization. Exactly. So Lamosa is here. We even have women in my affected by mining communities because they are displaced. Yes, I spoke, I spoke to people. To make a livelihood is very difficult, yes. Well, thank you so much, Mercia. Good luck with, with your efforts, and uh, let us know uh, what, what, how, how you go on. We'd like to share the, the declaration that we're pulling together here 
So in the next days, if you'd like us to share that, we'd be happy to do it. Thank you for having us. Please, please, and, and, and thank you for, for, for joining us and taking time out. That is how we are um, observing World Food Day on SAFM on Otherwise. Coming back, uh, we'll take a little break. And coming back, looking at youth trends. Hmm? Do we know what our youth are doing, what they're wearing, and why they wear what they do? Um, and all the phones and things they want, they, they like, what's their favorite brand, what, you know, because if you're a marketer, these are important things to know. Uh, so we'll take a little break and, and, and take news, with, news headlines with Utsile Sako. Otherwise, on SAFM. Thanks, Natalie. Um, joining me now on, on the phone is Communications Manager for HDR Youth Marketers, uh, Mokebe Tulo. We want to understand a bit about the youth and their trends. Apparently, there are over 25 million young people in South Africa with an annual spend of over 140 billion, 104 billion rand. Yes. Wow. Wow, Mugebe. Hi, Sada. How are you? I'm good, thank you. This is, this is shocking. It is shocking, isn't it? So much money. So much money. The thing is... What um, do they spend it on? Where do they get it from? Where, where, do do they spend, where do they spend it? What do they spend it on, rather? Well, they do spend it on a number of different things, depending on their age groups. So it is divided into kids, teens, and young adults. So for kids, it would be on something like um, junk food. Uh, and for teens and young adults, it would be more focused on entertainment. Mm-hmm. Yes. Teens and young adults, what, what age group are we talking about? So kids uh, range from the ages of 3 to, um, what is it? oh, sorry, 8 to 13. Uh, then teens would be eight, uh, 13 to 18, and then young adults would be 18 to your mid-20s. And this is all our money. It's parents' money, right? For the most part, it is parents' money. I mean, some of them do work on the side and... You know, earn their money, but for the most part, it is money that they get from parents, siblings, family members. Now, are they? What, what's your work then? Your work is to put together this, this, these statistics and give them to who? So what we do is we are a 17-year-old youth marketing agency. Um, a few years ago, 17 years ago to be exact, a former teacher, Lisa Locher, who's our CEO, mm-hmm. founded the company. She saw a huge gap in the market um, in terms of marketing to um, then it was predominantly kids. And she thought to herself, let me start something around uh, this. It took a number of years for her to firstly convince marketers that they actually um, had a market or a youth market to uh, market directly to. Um, she seems to have done a pretty good job of yes. that now. Uh, so what we do is we bring brands and connect them to youth for the mutual benefit of both. Of both. So that, yeah, no, it makes sense. Yes. And um, so, what are the trends this year? What What can you tell us that we that that would make us understand our youth better? Because as a parent, I think I need to know where my money is going, not only for the marketers now, but but you know what our kids are spending money on. Well, as I said, um, one thing to note uh, very importantly is that uh, the youth in their different age groups are very different from each other. So what is a trend in kids and teens, or uh, for example, is not necessarily a trend with young adults. So, uh, for example, in terms of youth spend, uh, top of the list is clothing. 
uh, especially for teens, oh, sorry, young adults, and that's 20.2%. So 20% of their spending is on clothes. Fast food and pizzas are also huge, uh, as well as transport, especially in teens and young adults. And then, of course, there's the snacks and biscuits and chocolates, etc. But tell me, what transport are they using? Uh, it would be depending on whether they take taxis or whether they take the bus or whether they have to take a cab. So a lot of it is um, based around commuter transport. Mm. Mm. And how are they socializing? I mean, do they go to gym, These kids, some of them? Do they go to gym? Do, is it more parties or is it more movies? Or is it, um, you know, what sort of music are they listening to? I'm, I'm, I'm curious. Very interestingly, there is a move towards getting a bit healthier uh, with regards to the young. Uh, previously, they haven't seen it as one of those things that is exactly uh, top of their list, uh, but it is important to note that uh, since the start of things like the Nike runs, etc., mm-hmm. that have made it quite cool to take part in social, what we call social size. So it's social exercise. It's not all about being um, fit and healthy and just uh, going to gym necessarily, but you're hanging out with friends, you're doing something that's cool, you're socializing whilst you're taking part in this. Okay, so you call that social size. Social size. And, 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 and of course, it's, it's branded as well because of, of, of people like the running shoe company Nike and all of those people. Exactly. And in terms of technology, there's all these apps that are coming out uh, that facilitate such things, competing with your friends, keeping up with how much um, exercise you've done, whether it's going to gym or running, how many calories you've burnt, etc. But, of course, that's something that happens a lot more with teens and young adults. With kids, on the other hand, a lot of them do take part in sports uh, just purely because they go to school yes. and school uh, forces them to get involved in um, sports, regular sports. Now, should I worry when my, my child has like millions and millions of people on Facebook? Is Facebook still a big hit? I think Facebook is still a big hit, but obviously not as big as it once was. Mm -hmm. Very interestingly, one of the trends that we saw in 2013 is that although it is quite important for them to have uh, huge numbers on social media, which is uh, Facebook, uh, which is a lot bigger than Twitter, for example, Mm -hmm. they don't necessarily consider their Facebook friends as real friends. Oh, don't they? A lot of the time. We've um, gone through the exercise of doing a couple of rounds of questionnaires around um, this phenomenon. And, yeah, so, yes, I have Facebook friends. Uh, Yes, I have a 1,000-plus Facebook friends, but those are my Facebook friends. It's not the same as um, my friends that I see face-to-face and interact with um, on a personal level. And is, is BlackBerry still the phone to have? In 2013, BlackBerry was still top of the list um, in the Generation Next uh, study, Um, but it has to be noted that, of course, the Generation Next study uh, is a brand preference study and not a consumption study. That's not to say that they're all running around with Blackberries in their hands or iPhones in their hands necessarily. It's just the brands that they consider as the coolest of the cool. Uh Yeah, but in terms of that, we foresee... um, Apple or and or Samsung toppling BlackBerry in 2014. Why is that? I mean, BlackBerry has been on a decline in the past couple of years. Last year, they did uh, 
quite well, and they managed to go home with the coolest uh, cell phone, uh, what is it, as well as coolest high-tech gadgets. In 2013, we see iPhone taking over in the coolest high-tech um, gadget for the first time and a decline in the numbers with regards to cool when it comes to BlackBerry. So they, they're not, I mean, in terms of young people, they still offer some really cool things such as BBM and uh, mm-hmm. the ability to communicate with your friends uh, uh, for something like 57, 59 rand a month, which is seen as low cost. But, yeah, it is on a bit of a decline, and uh, brands like Apple and Samsung are on a definite uh, incline. Well, the iPhone takes nicer selfies, eh? Yes, absolutely. (laughs) (laughs) And we know how much uh, they love selfies. They love selfies, yes, and I don't know why. But I I see here there's a very interesting um, phenomenon of eating uh, eating township food. Are townships very in right now? I wouldn't say townships are in. I mean, uh, I have to mention that with the study, we do a representative um, sample. Mm-hmm. We do have a representative sample. So uh, in terms of race breakdown, for example, it's 65% black, uh, 14% white, 12% uh, colored, and the remainder, which is 7% Asian. Mm-hmm. So, I mean... Most of the people you're talking to are possibly township people. So it is representative in terms of what we see um, as a South African landscape. But with reference to more uh, the urban uh, teenager, for example, township is a lot cooler than it once was. Mm. I mean, it's cool now to go to KFC and have your meal with pup, for example, mm. or to go to a Chisanyama in um, urban areas and order yourself a meal. Whereas before, it was considered quite gussy. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> quite backwards, actually. Yes. Yeah. So, so, so that, I, and you mentioned that this is just a, 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 a reading of, of the whole country, but mostly black kids is, is what you are looking at specifically. Well, it's not specifically looking at uh, black kids. It is looking at uh, the represent. The way it is in the sense of the way uh, the different races are broken down in terms of the South African landscape. So we're not focusing on black kids. It is just the numbers. Who spends more, though? Uh, Who spends more? Who spends more money? Do you have the breakdown? Of of who's you don't if if it's not in front of you, it's fine. I I just thought it would be interesting to know uh, who out of these ethnic groups spends more. Um, out of that 25 million young people you mentioned? I think that we can't necessarily give you a breakdown of who spends more, mm-hmm. but we could, for example, give you a breakdown of who spends more on what. So, ah. yeah, ah. so the difference is... Who spends more on clothes? Yes, who spends more on clothes? I don't have the number in front of me right now. What numbers do you have? But I can tell you that it is definitely the young adults um, that spend more on clothes, followed by teens, and of course, uh, kids, the parents are the ones that would do the clothing shopping. Um, What else would you like to know? Yeah, no, no, I I wanted to know who spends more out of the four ethnic groups that you mentioned. Who spends more money? Because, you know, I know, I I don't know how many people were in your poll that you did. Mm. Um, but it was uh, about 
Just over 5,700. 5,000 and divided into different race groups? Divided into different By different groups. ages as well? Well, we, what we do is we do our research in schools and varsities. So mm-hmm. we don't look at the numbers beforehand. We go to the schools and we work with the numbers that the schools have. And it is important to note that we do um, urban and peri-urban polling and uh, we don't deal with uh, the rural youth. Are there are, are there particular shops where these kids buy clothes or prefer, or the coolest clothing shop, or do they would they go to a market and 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 buy something uh, a bit funky from a market as opposed to going to a retail store? I mean, there are those kids that would rather go to the market and buy a piece of clothing that they think is quite unique, but that is still quite niche at the moment. It is a trend that is on the rise where it's not necessarily about the label you're wearing, but it is about fashion. So it's this whole idea of money doesn't buy you style. Of course. But in terms of um, coolest uh, clothing shops, for example, uh, the coolest clothing brand in 2012 was Guess, and in 2013 is Nike, followed by Adidas, and we find now that Guess is in third place. So um, it seems to us that a lot of these kids are uh, enjoying uh, sports brands mm-hmm. and wearing those sports brands as fashion items. And in terms of coolest clothing stores, Mr. Price made it as the number one coolest store in 2013, Ooh. whereas in 2012, they were in second place. Oh, so they're doing something right. They are doing something right. They are listening to you guys. It's, um, <laughs> well, <laughs> they're listening to you guys and trusting your numbers. That's we what hope they're doing. so. Okay, now, I, I, lastly, I want to hear about music, South African music. You know, we apparently all our politicians are into Beyonce. I want to know if that affects our South African kids. I think it is quite funny that (laughs) our South African politicians may be into Beyonce. But in terms of um, the vote this year, the coolest South African... Okay, before we get to music, the coolest... um, South African celebrity is Trevor Noah. Oh, good. Yeah, so they are really liking Trevor Noah. And I must say that there is a move towards liking what is South African versus always looking to the West, for example. That's good to hear. Uh, the coolest South African radio station, interestingly, is... Unfortunately, not SAFM. Well, I, I, I think we would have a problem if we're the coolest with that age group. So that's I think so. Um, this year, it was won by Metro FM for the first time after eight years, mm. where 5FM has been taking the lead in that one. Okay. Um, the coolest TV music channel uh, for the second time in a row is Trace TV, mm-hmm. and that's quite an interesting one considering how young Trace is and that they only came into the picture a few years ago when no one had heard of them, and now they're taking the lead in that category. I would have thought Vuzu or something like that. Vuzu uh, does feature on this list, but in terms of music channel, music channel, yeah, yeah, that would be Channel O coming into third place, mm-hmm. MTV Base coming in second place. Channel O is one down from last year where they uh, were second. Uh, Music-wise, uh, people that are doing well are bands such as Mikasa. Mm. Um, hmm. Nothing is all 
Um, I think Izolo doesn't make it in the top five of the list, unfortunately. Uh, last year it was uh, the fairy tale, guys. Fairy tale? Liquid Deep. Oh, Liquid Deep. Okay. Yes. Okay. <laughs> yes. So local music is doing quite well. Um, yeah, and I mean, there is growth, not necessarily in sales, but definitely in consumption. But do, do, what are bands like... Um, uh, Polytones and Freshly Ground and those kinds of bands, how are they doing? Do they even know them? Uh, Polytones are well-known, but uh, again, Polytones are well-known in a certain market. Mm. So just because, purely because of the numbers, uh, Polytones do not make it very high up on this list, even though uh, if you do the test, most of the youth have heard of them. Okay, are they downloading a lot of music? Yes, absolutely. That's what they do. They download music. So, mm. as I said, consumption of music is up, but not necessarily sales, because this is how they consume their music, through downloads. Wow. Anything else interesting that you can tell us that we haven't highlighted now? I think uh, some things to look out for in 2014 are that uh, the elections are coming up, the 2014 elections are coming up, mm -hmm. and it's uh, the 20 years of democracy, so it'll be interesting to see how involved the youth get, especially those that um, are voting for the first time. So we want to see how seriously they take uh, the democracy and their right to vote and how much of a difference they think that they can make. Another interesting one is uh, the Soccer World Cup that's also happening in 2014. And uh, I think tech is also one to keep an eye on, considering that data prices are coming down and access to actual hardware is uh, getting a bit easier. Mm. Mm. That would be interesting to know. When, will, is the, is the, when can you have numbers for us or give us an, uh, an idea of youth participation, especially for the elections? Our generation uh, next study is only revealed in May, at the end of May of every year, and published uh, at the beginning of June in the mm -hmm. Sunday Times. We don't, I'm sure uh, because it's a special year such as elections, we will uh, probe uh, the subject because the, the part of the study that gets published is the coolest brands, uh, which is the quantitative part of the study. Uh, we do do another part of the study which we don't publish but do make available to some of our clients, and that gives us a deeper look into what is behind uh, these decisions, what makes the youth tick, what worries the youth, what, is they, uh, what are they most proud about uh, being South African about, etc. So I would say that we would look towards May, June next year to have an indication, but we do release our trends piece um, at the beginning of the year in the Viscom trend section. Okay, I think I'll be part of your clients and get some insight information there. You do that, Shadow. <laughs> okay, well, thank you so much, darling. Thank you for joining thank us. Thank you so much for having me. Thank you. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. That was Mukeba Tulu from Communications, who's the Communications Manager for HDI Youth Marketers. That was very interesting for me to, to hear all of that. It is now um, time for Na Libali. The story today is about the cat who came indoors.